Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And we are wrapping up Why Is No One Talking About This Week? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I said that in a whole sentence. Like, Why is nobody talking about this week? <laughs> That's not what I meant. Yeah, we, we will clarify. Our theme is Why Is No One Talking About This? Question mark. And... We are ending the week with this, with that theme. There we go. Wow. And if you listened to the first case, you know what we're talking about. Catch Sunday's case, guys. It was a good one. Amber did it. I'm bringing you one today. We are talking about the crisis that's going on, not only in our nation, it is happening in in other nations too. I know Canada has a big problem with Mm -hmm. this as well, but we're talking about the missing and murdered indigenous women and girls this week in the United States. And today the case that I'm bringing you was actually found by me on accident while I saw an update that just happened last week, um, something that President Biden signed into law to help address this crisis. And something that we had mentioned in um, Sunday's episode, and I do believe in the episode that started this all, which was your bonus episode that you did for one of the bonus episodes that we put out this month Yeah, yeah. for our Patreons, was about uh, a missing, actually it was sisters. Sisters, yeah. So anyway, one of the things that we mentioned was how in a horribly heartbreaking way, the coverage of the Gabby Petito case brought shed some light on how much amazing coverage that she had and rightfully so but it shed light on the fact that indigenous women do not get that type of media coverage yes and they i do believe that they brought the issue forward very respectfully they did in saying that it's not that they think gabby deserved less coverage what they're saying is is that it would be amazing for Native American women to also get that coverage. Exactly. And even the parent in my Patreon case that I did, she spoke about that very respectfully. Yeah. Um, she gave her condolences to the family of Gabby and said, like, I know what this is like. She absolutely is But there. I just wish my daughters would have had that too. For sure. So. Of course. And how can you not feel that way? So what happened, Mary Johnson, the case that I'm bringing you today, she's also known as Mary Davis. Her family helped to bring about that comparison as well between Gabby and the lack of coverage that Mary's case got. And so her family, um, her sisters especially, have really been a voice. And we talked about that in your case, that this is what gets coverage is that a family member has to step up and really be a voice. And it's even harder for indigenous people because they they have been silenced. Mm-hmm. They don't have a voice and that's their whole point. So we're hoping in some small way that we can contribute to keeping this conversation going and bringing awareness to this crisis. For sure. And that is the one thing that we did talk about, like a silver lining is that 
a lot of these cases, family members become very strong advocates because they've gone through this, the same thing of like mm-hmm. not having the help or not having the yep. coverage. So they become the voice for they the have victim. To, they've also become the investigators for the yes. victim because it's not being investigated properly. So as I said, Mary Johnson, she was actually born Mary Davis. That's one of her al- aliases that the FBI has her identified as. She was born August 31st, 1981 in Washington State. And she was actually enro- an, an enrolled citizen of the Tuolip tribe. Okay. Okay. In Washington State. I loved how much information that you were able to bring us about your victim on uh, Sunday's case because obviously her family has done a lot of reporting and like spoken about what type of person their family member was and whatnot. In this case, in Mary's case, there, there's just not a lot of coverage and that's part of the reason why I wanted to cover it. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of coverage, so it needs covered, but also to shed light on the fact of like, you guys know here, if, if you've been a, a avid listener of Crime Curious, or if you're new here, just know our avid listeners do know this, that we include all the details that we can about our victim. For sure. Which means that information is accessible in some way, shape, or form, whether it's court documents or books or media Media trusted, media coverage, things like that. Okay. And we include that information. So it tells you when we have shorter episodes or episodes where I'd love, where I say, I would love to tell you more about this victim, but it's just not out there. That's part of the problem here as well. It's not covered. It's not out there as well. So the stats that you gave us on Sunday's episode were mind boggling. And we, we still have only scratched the surface of even finding some cases that have enough information to do a podcast about or uh, excuse me, a podcast episode Mm -hmm. about. So I don't have a ton for Mary in terms of personal information other than she has two sisters, Nona Bullion and Jerry Davis, who um, with other members of her family have been a huge advocates and not only trying to obtain information about the fateful day that just happened in November 2020. Oh my gosh. This is an extremely recent case. So this is like almost, wait, yeah, it's like a year ago. It was almost to the day a year ago. What's today that we're recording this on? Today is the 28th of November. So Okay. The last time she was seen was November 25th, which was the day before Thanksgiving, 2020. Oh, that's chilling. So we are recording this almost one year to the day wow. of her disappearance. At the time of her disappearance, we know that Mary was struggling with addiction. And it I guess it just kind of bothers me that that's something that we know about, but we don't know like where she graduated high school and what mm. what her favorite things were and right. whatnot. That, she was an addict. Yeah, that bothers me. Yeah, that's so unsettling. Much. And a part of that is I bring that in later where we do where um, some advocates for Native American women talk about how they are blamed. There's a lot of victim blaming. Yes. In this. And Mary's case is no different. Because she was struggling with addiction at the time of her disappearance, it really complicates an, an investigation. Now, in the months before Mary Johnson disappeared, her sister said that she wasn't herself. 
um, actually Mary and her husband, who had been living in the home of Mary's sister, Jerry Davis, um, in Sedro Woley, Washington. They had been living with her as a couple. Well, they abruptly left, and this is after Mary, you know, leading up to them leaving her sister's home, had been really withdrawn, had started using more, that sort of thing. So they just abruptly leave, and they move to Marysville, which is about 40 miles away from her sister, Jerry. At this point in time, Mary was rarely answering her phone when Jerry would call her, and she would occasionally respond to text messages. Okay, so being in and out of contact isn't unusual for her at this point in time in her life. Gotcha. And so Mary is 39 at this time. Okay. And as I said, she, or did I say, I might not have said that um, at this point in time, Mary was also having marital problems with her husband. Thank you. Okay. I've just been reading so many articles about this and it mentions it all of it that I feel like I've like said it already, but I know I felt the same way. (laughs) There's so much information. You're like, did I say that? Right, right. Let me get these details right. So her and her husband are estranged. Okay. And the following sequence of events were based on a CNN interview with the Tuolup Tribal Police Department detective, David Sally, and a local news report in the Everett Herald. Okay, we don't have a lot of sources here that covered this story. Gotcha. And this is what authorities have pieced together based on cell phone records and conversations with people who saw Mary. At the time that she disappeared... As I said, she and her husband were not in a good place. She was staying, like basically couch surfing, mostly with friends, returning to the couple's shared home in um, Marysville. Is that where I said? Where did they move to? That was like 40 miles away. Yeah, Marysville. Her name is Mary, and then it's Marysville. That's why I was like, that's the first time I've said it out loud. I was like, that can't be right. She (laughs) is Mary. And yeah, they moved to Marysville. So, So she's couch surfing. Um... Returning, And she would return to their house in Marysville every few days to pick up her mail and take a shower before heading out again. So on November 24th, 2020, a day before she was last seen, Detective Sally said her estranged husband dropped her off with a suitcase at a friend's house on the Tuolup Reservation. Johnson stayed there overnight and planned the next day to head out to head to the house of a couple that she knew in Oso, about 30 miles away. So she's going to another friend's house in Oso. Mm -hmm. The friend that she was staying with was supposed to give her a ride to a nearby church where someone else would pick her up and take her to the couple's house in Oso. A second man who had also been staying at the same house as Mary, so the house that her husband dropped her off at on the 24th and she spent the night, yeah, There was a man there, and he also wanted a ride. Okay. Okay. So on November 25th, when Mary is supposed to get this ride to a nearby church, and now this other guy also wants a ride, Mary's friend backtracked on the offer to her to give her a ride, to give her and the other man that was at that house a ride to the church. So... She sets out towards the church on foot around 1.30 p.m., and so does the, the other man who wanted the ride. 
Okay. Okay. So they start walking away from this house where her husband had dropped her off at on the 24th. A third man was set to pick, and I'm sorry I don't have names, and I think the reason that I don't have names is because this is still an open investigation. And so people are still being investigated here. Gotcha. And, you know, the only so much information can be leaked as we as we say. Yes. And and hope and I'm hoping that's like you know I hope absolutely that's the, case. the case. Me too. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say we hope that's why. So remember how she was gonna get a ride to the church and then another friend was going to pick her up from the church and take her to the couple's house in Oso. Yes. Okay. So the man who was set to pick Mary up at the church and take her to Oso eventually drove by and saw her walking because you know he's supposed to meet her at the church yeah so So he's probably like what's going on yeah because you know she was supposed to get a ride to the church so he shouldn't be passing her i just want to mention that this really like this sucks for mary because i don't know how far of a walk it is but to be in that situation where you're like well shoot i guess i'm gonna have to start now i have to start walking yep so he he saw her walking on the fire trail what was known as the what is known as Fire Trail Road. And he saw the man who also wanted a ride. Okay. So he pulls up to Mary and he's like, I only have enough room in this vehicle for one person and and keeps on going. Now in another article that I read, he was irritated because he was already at the church waiting for her and she didn't show. And he didn't know that they were walking maybe. Yes. He did not know that they were walking. So it delayed them because that friend backed out at the last minute to give them a ride to the church. And so, um, he had been waiting. He's all ticked off about having to wait encounters her on the road. It's like, I don't have room for that person anyway. And I'm pissed off that you made me wait. And just pulls away. So ultimately declining, you know, to give her a ride, she is now at this point in time forced to walk. Like she's not walking to the church now because there's no ride at the church. So now she's walking to the couple's house in Oso, which is 30 miles away. Oh my gosh. Oh. So before she disappeared, she left that couple in Oso a voicemail. There was desperation in her voice as she urged them to pick um, to pick up the phone. Okay. According to records obtained by the Everett Herald, she also made another call around 2.30 p.m. The woman who, pe- who picked up reportedly said to police that she told Johnson she was too busy to speak. So she answered the phone at 2.30, but was like, sorry, I can't talk. Never heard what Mary needed, why she was calling. Which is weird. If you're that busy, why are you even picking up your phone? It's 2020. My my mom does that too. She'll like answer irritated and be like, why did, you know, well, I'm trying to get this one. I'm like, well, then Then don't answer. Don't answer the phone. I'll leave you a message. Yeah. And the message that she did leave for that couple in Oso where she was going was like begging them to pick up the phone. So there was like desperation. Yes. Yeah. Now, police believe that someone may have picked Mary Johnson up at some point because cell phone records indicate that about an hour after her last call, her phone connected to a tower in the Oso area. Okay. Which is where she was going. But there was no way that she walked there. It was a 30-mile walk in, in only an hour. No. Oh, yeah. That's too great a distance for her to have walked so quickly. So the phone went offline for a period of time. 
before again connecting to a tower in the greater Marysville uh, Tualop area that night. So now all of a sudden the area is back to where she was picked up from and back on the reservation. It remained in that location until the next morning when it eventually powered off. Interesting. So they were able to deduce all of that. The man who was supposed to pick Mary up from the church told police that he hadn't seen or heard from her since November 25th on the road, on Fireside Road there. The man who had been walking with her said that the two went their separate ways and that he had no seen no sign of her either. Hmm. On December 9th, 2020, Mary's husband calls her sister Jerry and tells her, that he has not heard from Mary since the 24th when he dropped her off at that one friend's house for her to spend the night at. And Jerry hasn't heard, and Jerry was like, I haven't heard from her either. So that's the day, December 9th, 2020, that Mary's estranged husband reports her missing. Oh my gosh, so all that of that time has gone long, on. you guys. Oh. And it sounds like, I mean, on her sister's, Side, it's like she didn't talk to her this constantly. Yep, this wasn't unusual. She knew she was using again. She knew that, you know, she rarely picked up phone calls, was really not answering text messages. So, okay, she wasn't super worried until what happens is Mary's husband wrote up, he did a pre-type, uh, like a pre-typed up statement to the Tuolip police. He told detectives that, he usually talked to Mary every two days or so, but he became increasingly concerned when he found out that she hadn't collect her her like monthly um I hate this word. The report used monthly welfare checks from her mail. I hate the word mm-hmm. welfare, but her cash assistance. There checks. we go. Yeah. Anyway. So she got something each month and obviously she would have needed that, I'm assuming. Absolutely. Previously, she would pick up her, her previous reported activity is that she would pick up the checks the day that they came in. And the police are saying the fact that she has left many thousands of dollars in tribal welfare checks uncashed is a significant indicator that she is being held against her will or is deceased, end quote. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is what was in the Tuolup Tribal Police Department um that the detective wrote in a warrant, okay? At the time of this article that I was reading, it had been 10 months since her disappearance. There had been very little movement in the investigation, which Detective Sali said remains open and active. He said the police department have identified multiple persons of interest, though it has yet to make an arrest. Because a body hasn't been recovered, it's difficult to establish the probable cause necessary to seek specific search warrants. Because Johnson's disappear- Mary Johnson's disappearance was reported weeks after the fact, he said surveillance footage or precise location information that could offer clues has likely been overwritten. Which is true. Yeah. That time frame, the delay in reporting probably had a lot to do. Absolutely. That's two weeks. Oh, my gosh. Two weeks before she was reported missing. And because authorities didn't know for sure whether Mary Johnson disappeared on or off the reservation, 
it's unclear whether they can leverage federal grand jury subpoena powers or not. Something we, we talked yeah. about in your case. Yeah, this is an ongoing issue. Yes, it is, and it needs addressed. We don't know if she was kidnapped, held against her will, if she has been murdered. It could be argued maybe she just wandered off in the woods and got lost. Maybe she overdosed and passed away somewhere in a remote area, and we don't know where she's at. Maybe she's just hiding. Maybe she's in treatment, Detective Sally said. There's a lot of maybes. Now this is where I'm going to bring in Abigail Echo Hawk, Chief Research Officer for the Seattle Indian Health Board and an enrolled member of the Pawnee Nation of Oklahoma. And they say she says that one of the primary barriers in addressing this crisis is the maze of jurisdiction in Indian County country. Excuse me. Cases of missing Indigenous women are often often marred in bureaucracy with prosecutors and law enforcement having to establish whether the authority rests with the federal government, the state, or the tribe. The time it takes to determine the jurisdiction of a case can ultimately affect whether those women live or die. Preach. Exactly. Seriously, like this is, again, I feel like I'm saying it repetitively in my case too, but we this is like one of the big issues. Yes. Like you're supposed to take this. No, you. Like, oh, well, yep. we don't know who has it. And so there's this delay and nothing's done. Yes. And I'm so glad that we're this is coming to the forefront. Um, Echo Hawk carried on to say this maze of jurisdiction that exists, that is who does what investigation and who's responsible for what is part of the system of inequality. Another piece of the problem, as some advocates see it, is that indigenous women are often blamed for their own disappearances, Mm -hmm. resulting in a lack of empathy for victims from authorities and the general public. Absolutely. And I feel like this is what's happened in Mary's case. Okay, so the sister's being honest and is like, you know what? She hasn't been herself leading up to her disappearance. She hasn't been herself. She's estranged from her husband. We know that she is struggling with addiction. And so the authorities are like, yeah, she wandered off into the woods and overdosed. Yeah, this sounds so familiar. Like you said, my case was similar. Yeah. Well, her lifestyle, she doesn't want to be found. Yeah. Like, no yeah. big deal. Like, oh, there's a lot of maybes, so we're not even going to research any of them. Whereas, just like in your case, there was mysterious men that were giving these yes. women rides yes. that conveniently, in your Never case, saw her again. They fell, the man conveniently fell asleep, didn't see where she went, who she went with. With V-Dog? Yeah, with V-Dog. In, in this case, we have multiple men. That are were last to see her between the nope, I'm not giving you a ride because I'm pissed off at you now. The um the husband the guy she was walking with the guy she's walking yeah. with, the estranged husband. Like right. hello? Are we not looking into this? So um Echo Hawk said they are assumed to have been killed, murdered, or disappeared. They're assumed to have run away, to have had substance abuse issues to have done something that caused them to go missing or to be murdered. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. These attitudes only perpetuate the problem and make it easier for perpetrators to avoid accountability. That kind of narrative about indigenous people just lends itself to more violence so that when the violence does happen, it's not a disruption of the social fabric the way it would have been had it happened to somebody else. 
Exactly. She just nailed it so completely. Like, and we were talking about this too, that predators know where they can pray. Where they can pray. And this is like, I mean, this is prime. And we, as humans, take the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. And here it is, right to the indigenous women and children. Yes, it's like, I know this population is vulnerable and I know that probably nothing is going to get done. So here we go. And she carries. She goes on to say, because we already perce- we ugh, because we're already perceived as not part of the social fabric. I love that term. It's so true. Because we're either dead and disappeared, we're less than human. Which I think is what we talked about in our in the Patreon case that you presented. We're so far away from some remote reservation that we're not part of the rest of the community. Amen. That's exactly nail on the head mm-hmm. right there. Remember, uh, we mentioned Gabby Petito. She was found in Wyoming. 710 women went missing just in the state of Wyoming from 2011 to September 2021. That is just Wyoming, you guys. 710 went missing. And we found Gabby in Wyoming within days. Right. Put that into some perspective. And that number, just that alone for Wyoming, just is for Wyoming. so scary mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Why don't we know that number right. everywhere? Right. Or the 7,000. Yes. Missing since 2016. Like, why don't we know that? Well, we, we do, do now. now. We We're do now. We're <laughs> bringing it to the forefront now. Oh. Mary Johnson's sisters are trying to stay positive, though they also mentally are preparing for the worst they're heartened by all the people that have shared the poster. Um, so they have they have created posters, just yeah. like in your case on Sunday. They've created posters. They're using social media. They're using their voices. They're doing everything that they can. And they're asking everyone to keep their eyes out for a five foot six pound, hundred, five foot six pound. <laughs> Let's try that again. I was not a communications major, Avi. So a five foot six, 115 pound woman with black hair and brown eyes, a sunburst tattoo on her upper right arm and a beauty mark on the back of her neck. They want law enforcement to deploy every possible resource at their disposal because Native American women deserve the same respect and compassion as everyone else. This is a quote from uh, Nona, her oldest sister. My sister is a wonderful person, and we all love her dearly. Dearly, If you have any information, please just reach out to your local law enforcement, the Seattle FBI, or the Tuolup PD. Bring her home. We miss her. Nona carried on to say, if this was a little white girl out there, or a white woman, I'm sure they would have had helicopters, airplanes, dogs, and searches. A lot of manpower out there, scoring where that person was lost. None of that has happened for our sister. Now that was the 10, 10 mark, month mark. It's been at this point in time a year, but at the 10 month mark, a billboard on Interstate 5 and local media coverage have yielded few credible tips and tribal police have yet to make an arrest in the case. Only last week, this so this would have been actually like September. Did the FBI announce it would offer a reward of up to $10,000 for information about Johnson's dis- Mary Johnson's disappearance? Oh, wow. While family members and advocates welcome the move, 
they also wonder why it took so long. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So 10 months for the FBI to come in after it wasn't until Mm -hmm. after the squeaky wheel gets the oil. I feel like that was another similarity with my case. It took a while for the I think it was like nine month mark. Mm -hmm. The FBI is like, okay, we'll look into this. Right. This is the first time I've heard of a a reward. Yes. Um, Yep. A reward is offered. And there's there's more to come here. The attorney general in Washington state where Mary was last seen, um, which, by the way, has the second highest number of missing and murdered indigenous women cases, um, announced that they were going to put together a 21-member task force to examine the systemic inequalities behind the problem of missing indigenous women and children. Good, good, good. Echo Hawk's organization recently completed a project in the state with the King County Prosecuting Attorney's Office, reforming database systems and training staff to properly collect racial identity and tribal affiliation information for victims. And on the national level, Interior Secretary Deb uh, Holland announced a new unit earlier this year that would investigate the killings and disappearances of indigenous people. Advocates say such actions, however, are just a first step. There has to be money allocated. It can't just be a checkbox for some politicians to say, we did this, Echo Hawk said. It has to be more than that. And I am happy to tell you that just last week, and I do mean just last week, President Joe Biden signed an executive order directing federal agencies, including the Departments of Justice, Interior, and Homeland Security, to create a strategy within 240 days to address this crisis of violence. So oh, the two, the time frame of in, within 240 days, I want you guys to have this crisis of violence against Native Americans. We need a strategy. We want, yeah, let's, and we're all going to come together. This. For t- for far too long, justice has been elusive for many Native American victims, survivors, and families. Criminal jurisdiction complexities and resource constraints have left many injustices unaddressed. Biden said in his order, the president also said, previous executive action have not achieved changes sufficient to reverse the epidemic. Absolutely, nearly fifty. 300 American Indian and Alaska Native girls and women were reported missing last year. 5,300 mm-hmm. just in 2020. You guys, that is a huge number. It is. And as we talked about before, it could even be more because so many things go unreported. Uh, absolutely. It, yes. So, And like they were saying, collecting the right racial demographic information at the time of the crime is really important too because there's things not being there being um, reported as well of those 5300 cases 578 were reported reported active at the end of the year Uh, I feel like the number must have climbed dramatically because when I was looking into some of the like past numbers the 5000s like in the 5000s was pretty common and then Mm -hmm. you know watching that documentary and seeing the number it actually was like seven thousand, and then they increased it to like like it bumped up more yeah in the process so they like bumped the number up at the end so it's like like that's how quickly for sure and i and i think that as more awareness is being brought more things are being reported and we're gathering information differently than we used to yeah 
So the Department of Justice said on Tuesday as well that it'll be allocating $800,000 to the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System, which is known as NamUs, to provide outreach, investigation support, and forensic services to to cases involving American Indians and Alaskan Natives. So last week, Attorney General Merrick Garland said the Justice Department will dedicate over $90 million in award grants to launch a committee dedicated to tackling the crisis of missing or murdered Indigenous people. I love that. That's. So, I hope that that is, um, I hope that that makes a difference. Me too. I, I hope this is like Echo Hawk was saying. She's like, money needs to be allocated and this cannot just be a checkbox for politicians to say, okay, we did this. So I'm hoping that real change actually comes of this, that the money is used the oh way gosh. that it should be. And knowing like, you know, grant funded positions and whatnot I'm hoping it's a little triggering for us (laughs) I'm hoping that the right people can like help put this project together because a lot of times with grant funded anything it's like the blind leading the blind like it is you know you get this money and you're like okay well how do we do this or how who who do we Mm -hmm. start with and nobody really knows what to do and I'm not saying that this is going to be the case you know but I also want to see the change on the ground I don't want it going just to pay people's salary yes exactly that are just saying yeah this is what we're doing these are the outcomes of our program right wait wait where are the cases being solved where are the are we really investigating this are we overcoming the jurisdiction complexities? Right. And no no offense to anybody like in grant-funded positions because I was in one for a long time, but I also know going in, it's like, well, we don't really know what you're going to start out. Like, yeah. So you kind of have to build it up. Yeah. Which you have to make it yep, your own, which it's a starting it's possible. point. It's a starting it point, yes. This is a starting point. You know, our whole theme this week was why is no one talking about this? Um, as you have said and now I have said, I do think that a silver lining that came out of Gabby's case is that more of, of a voice came out of this like, organization hey, to say, second. do you see the injustice here? Mm-hmm. Do you see the inequality here? Let's do something about this. We are not political at all on this. Th- I, no. I hate all politics, honestly. And so I just wanted to read that because this is currently it's a what's start. going on yes it's a start it's a start to what we have been saying these last three episodes I mean your your Patreon episode so the general audience doesn't know you know what we talked about in that case but still yes you know this is I, I do think I mean this is this is fresh off the press this just happened right before Thanksgiving right I did not hear about that so I'm really I'm thankful to hear that I know um you know for the those of you that don't know I worked for a family drug court for quite a few years and before I left I also was starting to see more funding come available because there's a lot of substance use on reservations because of the lack of resources Mm -hmm. and I'm sure that leads to depression and other Mm -hmm. mental health issues and so substance use is an issue and so they they were putting a lot of funding into hopefully getting resources which I truly hope that that is a little piece of making things better too because you know treatment is important yeah resources are important you know and so hopefully that like hopefully we'll see some things happen I I don't know like I said I hope we see some change on the ground and not just like Echo Hawk said a checkbox that a politician right has right so we'll only time will tell but literally we're only about 40 minutes in and that's all the information that I have for you on Mary Johnson there is nothing 
she, you know, she may have been trying to hitchhike. Uh, we don't know. She may have been taken against her will and not even trying to hitchhike to that friend's house in Oso. It may be that the last two men or so that she was saw with are full of shit. I know. And have something to do with this. We don't know. Which we saw that in my case, too. Yes. There was a couple men involved that they questioned. And, you know, and they, they both, they were like, nowhere. yeah, we saw her here and then never again. And that was it. Like, dead end. Yeah. Nothing else. Like, they kind of did some questioning and searching, but, like, nothing further. So. It's just so sad to me. I've, it, she's obviously, uh, the fact that they're like, oh, maybe she's in treatment. Okay, are you kidding me? Where? Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, but and like. And she's not collecting her tribal checks and mm-hmm. she's in treatment. How is she paying for treatment? Uh, exactly. That shit's not free. No, it's not. It's very expensive and it's hard to get into treatment. Yes, and if, it is. if you don't and know how to, like. And especially if on. you don't have money and they're, you know, mm-hmm. give me, stop it. Like, that's just stop the dumbest right thing. I, you know, shut the hole in your face. I can't. <laughs> I can't. So uh, poor Mary and her family, yes. especially being a, like a year has gone by. It has. And because it was like, and I do believe that this was signed in like damn near the year, like to the day yeah. um, for, from her disappearance. And so that is why, that's how I accidentally came upon her case. Actually, her family has been a big um, advocate in this to Good. say like we're connecting the fact that it's been a year and it has went nowhere and she's gotten no coverage besides finally 10 months later a billboard and the FBI did get involved and you know offered that $10,000 reward but it was again because the family's making a stink yes. of this yep and that's uh, <sighs> like we talked about like that is a silver lining in this is that the family's have to do this because that but it you also know. takes family resources to be able to do that for Not sure everyone's family has the resources to print out thousands of flyers yep. to have the communication skills to be able to reach out to a local media outlet to publish the story for sure you and know, you have to have some some savvy social skills to be able to get those things done yeah and the time too time I mean, if somebody has to work or yep i don't know but like it takes devotion to you know, scour an area and search. Yep. And just think about this, you guys. If one of your family members goes missing, you can't stop working. You still have bills to pay. Mm-hmm. They'll probably give you a few days off for whatever. But think about the time and energy that it takes to print up those flyers, get them all around the area. That is literally consuming your life on top of all of your other life responsibilities. You still have to live. You've got kids. You still have to go grocery shopping and feed them. Like life doesn't stop just because your loved one is missing. Mm-hmm. So like, I think that's an aspect that people don't think about very often. Like what would you do if a family member went missing? How would you balance all of that and still be able to be a voice and get the word out there to get them found as quickly as possible? It makes me sick to even think about because it's like, I just can't imagine what all of these families no, have gone through. I know. I agree. I mean, the unknown, I think, is just, mm-hmm. it would be so hard to deal with, especially as the, as oh. the years go by and you have no answers. Especially, yeah, because your brain's going to fill in all kinds of horror stories. That's So that's all That's all I have for you. Would you like a brain bath now? I would. I would. This might be the shortest case Charnel's ever done. <laughs> I don't think I've but, ever. But like you said, I mean, that's the she's point. one of thousands right. with this very similar situation that, you know, there's not a lot of info on the, the individual to spread yep and so you have very little info and then you know it's like a dead end yeah. with the case it's unsolved for years yep. and so and that's the whole point 
right? Yep. That is the whole point. So this this brain bath, though, comes from us from mommyshorts.com, which I just I like love it. that handle. I do. So it's a few um, funny, ho- I told you, I'm going to do holiday stories. Tis the season. Tis the season. I'm loving them, loving the holiday brain baths. So this was written in by Caitlin P. A few years back, when my husband and I were dating, he bought a ring. The ring. Oh. The Okay. Ring. We're talking the, the ring. ring. It was wrapped in a box and put under the tree. Come Christmas Day, we were we were watching as everyone opened their gifts. I watched as his dad picked up a box, opened it, and looked down at the gift he had just opened. Realizing what it was, he silently passed it over to my now husband with an uh-oh expression on his face. My now husband looked down into the box and with no expression or words, handed it to me as is. Just hands it to him. <laughs> okay. I saw a ring and thanked him, confused. Then, later in the car, as we drove to my parents' to my parents' house, he looked at me and said, that was supposed to be an engagement ring, you know. Oh, my gosh. What? I mean... Kudos to the guy for getting the ring, but that's like the worst proposal worst. story I've ever she heard. She actually wrote perfect proposal, right? Oh my God. What? How do you not? Like, how are you supposed to know that that was for you? I would hate to be like, the answer is yes. And for then he's sure. like, um, that's my, for my grandma. And it sounds like maybe it wasn't a diamond because she said, you know, I saw a ring and not everybody does the diamond no, that's thing. that's true. So here, you know, what if it's an emerald? And she's like, oh, a beautiful emerald ring. Thank you so much. Thank she you. thanked him. Like, oh, sucks. Your dad accidentally opened it for me. Like, how is she supposed to know? Until you're down on a knee and hear those words, you don't just assume. Because otherwise, you could make a total fool of yourself. Which I would do the same. I wouldn't say a word because I know... No. What I go through, and this is something that yeah. I, where I'd be like, oh my gosh, right? finally. I'd, I would misread the situation so bad. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, this is not her <laughs> fault. So bad. This is his fault. That is so terrible. Just, I love how the dad's like, oh shit, I opened this. Yeah. I wasn't like, supposed oh, to. Here. I know what this says. And he just passes it to her. I love that she married him, though. Like, <laughs> right. I would have been like, um, let's try this again at another time. Yeah. And I'll consider what my answer might be new new year's eve we'll try again mm-hmm. i expect balloons i and... expect a word yeah. at least like a Ask word me. something <laughs> some sort of communication like yeah you have to at least ask me so i right. know that's what you're wanting <laughs> ironically later they got divorced over communication issues no i'm just kidding i, I was like what <laughs> No, I'm just, oh, that's so I'm just thinking it could probably happen. <laughs> oh, that's good. Now, this one is horrifying. Like, I just could not imagine, Amber. This was written, wrote, wrote in by Ryan C. Um, again, not to us. It's mommyshorts.com. That's why I'm using their names because they put it there. We went out as a family and cut down a tree. Two days later, our cat started attacking the tree. We realized it was covered with praying mantis <gasps> babies. No, 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 no. There were hundreds of them. 
We dragged our infested tree out of the house in the middle of the night a week before Christmas. It was horrible, and I still have nightmares oh, about it. I am going to as well. Praying mantis babies. Nope. I mm-hmm. read this brain bath to go with this case on the same day that my kids were begging to put up a real tree. And I was like, you go get that artificial tree out of the basement, baby. <laughs> I don't blame Not you. Not this year. Mama can't handle praying mantis babies. That is, an, uh, if you, you know, little fact about me. I grew up on a Christmas tree farm. I could literally go get a free tree every yep. year, but I don't want a critter in it. And I did notice that you have an artificial tree yes. being from a Christmas yes. tree farm family. And I know that's our ironic. I love real trees. They're beautiful, but I am not going to bring a tree home with like a little squirrel in it or like praying mantis no. are terrifying. Have you seen them do the yeah. thing? Yes. Would they like raise their little arms? First of all, you know the girls eat the male's head after they intercourse. Do. I don't fault them for that. I Me, don't. I'm just going to say, again, <laughs> I've said it before. We don't deserve to be on the top of the food chain. No. Um, praying they, mantis girls, probably. They, do- they definitely dominate. figured out. And they like bite and they're just, no, yeah. no, no. Mm. No, thank you. I would have just burned the house down yeah but i don't risk them getting out while i'm dragging exactly the tree. like how many were left how yeah. many jumped off the tree correct that whole time that whole time made a in home. Your house yes oh, oh that gives me like chills Mm-mm. not okay not okay not okay because i'm sure the babies are probably like decent size too because the full-grown adults are like They're small children enough they yeah. are yeah like a toddler size human Maybe after it's been thrown in radioactive waste, but our Australian listeners are like, are praying mantis the size of a baby in America? Maybe I'm exaggerating. (laughs) I did see a video of a praying mantis, um, like on a hummingbird feeder and it grabbed the hummingbird. Stop it. Shut up. They're they're vicious and horrible. They scare the crap out of me. Oh, if I see one, I don't even. And this family had a whole army of them. In their house. Yes. Someone might want to check on Ryan C. Is he still alive? What if they were hiding out and ate him in his sleep? (laughs) Mated with him while he was sleeping and then ate him. And with those eyes, like those bulging eyes. No, 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 no. No. I'm going to read you one more because... Because it's I Christmas. Like, well, I like the nonchalantness of it, actually. It was, called, it was written in by Andrea M. She said, my daughter is a November baby. I figured I'd do Christmas cards that doubled as our birth announcements that year. I got a Santa basket with old sleigh props. Easy, right? Well, the basket fell over, despite being weighed down, and out rolls my two-week-old child. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. Then I put her in the sleigh. She fell asleep, and I snapped my pick. Well, apparently she peed, but I didn't realize it. Wow, do you think maybe she peed while she was rolling out of the basket? Possibly. I didn't realize it until I printed the pics. You could see drips falling. No card went out. (sighs) I just love how she's like, you know what? The funny part of the story is that she peed and I didn't see it until I got the Christmas cards back. (laughs) Whereas I'm like, your baby rolled out of a basket during a photo shoot. Gotta get the pics. Yeah, your two-week-old baby, and you're like, five-second rule, dust her off, put her in the sleigh, snap the pic. And she's just writing this in like, yeah, 
Isn't that funny? I didn't even notice she peed. She was probably like, baby's first Christmas. I'm getting my pictures. Right. This is a big deal. Die hard. Perspective here, people. She probably did wet herself as she was rolling out of a basket. Yes, poor baby. So, yeah, I just I would have sent it out anyway, though. <laughs> right, like, like look, paid she peed, and I didn't didn't notice. <laughs> I paid for these. Babies are so cute. With photoshopping these so, days. I'm assuming she was naked. It was like, you know, it's a newborn. Oh, yeah. Think about it. It's a newborn because she said um, you could see drips falling out. So she's naked Poor and peeing in the baby rolling out of Rolling. Come on. <laughs> she's like, ah. that's, that's actually terrible. Out rolls my two week old. <laughs> Um, okay, that's scary. That's so bad. And later, when she turns into a serial killer because of well, massive no head why. trauma, we're going to be like, oh, yeah, remember that time that you rolled out of a photo shoot basket? And then she finds the photo later in life. Right. Like, and it's like, oh, yeah. here, brain damage. This is why I am. Get it. The way that I am. Gosh. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> Poor baby. I know. I'm like, what the heck? Okay, do should I... Yeah, I'll leave you on that one. I have another one, but you know what? We'll save it for the next episode. Yeah, give us, like, that's a little teaser of more to come. There's more. There is more to come, most definitely. All right, well, follow us on social media. Keep listening. That'd be great. Please do. Keep it curious like we do. Write us case suggestions, crimecurious at yahoo.com. And, you know, tis the season. Be nice to people, and we'll... uh, Be kind. We'll catch you next week. All right. All right. Bye-bye.